Welcome back, guys. Paul here. We got two great guests tonight, Gary Gray and Doug Gray from the Gray Institute, home of Applied Functional Science. I'm sure you guys are going to have plenty to learn. Got some good topics, education, some good things to learn about tonight. So stay tuned. Welcome to Therapists in Motion, brought to you by Spooner Physical Therapy. Jeremy as well, our Spoonerites, we have the Big Cheese CEO, Tim Spooner himself, and then Brian Schulte and Tracy Hill. Thanks for being here, guys. And like we said, Gary Gray and Doug Gray are two guests tonight. Welcome. Hope you guys are enjoying the weather so far. Uh, it's beautiful down here, and uh, we appreciate you having us. It's fun uh, to have kind of this whole kumbaya kind of feel to this. So everybody here, so I know uh, we're, uh, we're happy to be a part of the podcast. Excellent, excellent. Gary, you've been... Uh teaching for a long time. Um, tell us a little bit about how Applied Functional Science was born. Uh, like you said, I think that's another way to say that I'm old. Uh, but <laughs> we've been teaching for a long time. And, and I think the, the other thing along with that is we've been learning for a long time. And we're still learning. And I think uh, our passion is to, to learn things, uh, make mistakes, and then hopefully uh, understand what we really need to know from a scientific basis in order then to hopefully share and teach and uh, maybe the, the therapists that are coming behind us don't have to do all the mistakes that we did in order to accomplish the goals with their patients. And so uh, we it, it's been a long evolution, but it's always been out of a, a passion to, to really want to share uh, best practices and share what we believe is uh, what we need to know in order to take great, great care of our patients. Um, and so it's... Uh, Applied functional science, in fact, I'll let Doug kind of share a little bit about what is applied functional science, but that has evolved from us kind of having a hankering of how we thought the body really functioned to understanding that there's science out there. There's evidence-based proof. There's millions of articles that prove uh, the way we would approach somebody and understand how to analyze somebody. Uh, and as a result, that's what we would call applied functional science. Why you dig a little deeper, Doug, into that? Well, I think uh, applied functional science can best be summed up in the word journey. Uh, as Gary has alluded to, it's a journey of, of learning more in order to apply more. And really, applied functional science is a, a fancy way of saying, can I develop a process to make sure that what I'm doing with the person in front of me is the best for that individual? Not what might be good for the masses, but what's the best for this individual? And I think if you could tie it back to what's already been proven with the physical, biological, behavioral sciences, you really can't go wrong. And of course, we gotta take um, what we do seriously, but not take our t ourselves too seriously. But in that process, we wanna challenge ourselves by learning more to ultimately apply that knowledge. Uh, we kind of been de developing a little bit of saying that, you know, ignorance is bliss, everyone's heard that, but knowledge is power. But wisdom is the application, but even one step further, it's discernment is the responsibility. And our responsibility as practitioners is to discern through our wisdom and knowledge, what is the best thing that we can do for the individual in front of us, and Applied Functional Science has created that process to get us to that point. I like, and you guys mentioned function, and that's a word we hear all the time nowadays. Every gym I go to, there's a functional training center. Every person I see shows, oh, I have functional this and functional training that, and here's great techniques for it. But I gotta ask, since the term is thrown out too freely nowadays, what is function to you guys? What do you see? What are you looking for? Well, one of the reasons the term's thrown out uh, 
uh, too much and kind of maybe inappropriately is really our fault from 40-some years ago. <laughs> Uh, because just logic says you want it to be functional for that person. Uh, and then, like you said, Paul, th then it becomes a little tougher because you go, no, what is function? You know, and that's really why we came up with applied functional science. Because uh, function in the term that we're talking about is really how the body moves. So it's, it's the movement science. So a lot of people will talk function, but uh, they really haven't delved into, so what is movement science and what, allows the body to move and therefore what facilitates function in the body. So I know for years I was doing a lot of things I thought was functional just because it looked like kind of a, a different kind of movement type thing, but without really knowing the science behind it, the physics behind it, the biomechanics behind it, and the psychology behind it, it was just a bunch of random movement that, you know, certainly they were moving, but there was not a science behind what we were doing. And it wasn't applicable to my patients and clients. And uh, and so I, I think a lot of that blame, the poor usage of the word, I, I, I'm sadly say it came from us. So we're doing our best to try to make sure that uh, we don't just randomly do things and call it functional, that we truly, when we approach the science of it and apply it appropriately, we approach it as a, a, a kind of applied functional scientist as opposed to somebody just trying to do a bunch of stuff and hoping something sticks. Dougie, you mentioned uh, it's described as a journey, and you guys, again, have been doing this for a while. Can you, can you guys tell us a little bit about um, what you've learned during that journey? What are some key things that you've learned uh, during that time, not only in the science itself, uh, but also in how to, how to apply that science and how to... How to, how to uh, teach that science uh, so that others others may uh, use it? Uh, I think that's a great question. I can start with the answer, and I'll turn it over to you, G2. But I think with it being a journey and how to get to that point, that it really comes to trying to decipher, of course, what is the best thing for that person, that, that individual in front of you. And when it comes to a lot of you know techniques, because really movement becomes kind of this technique-driven industry, and rightfully so, I think one main thing that I've learned is, you know, that there's not necessarily a bad technique, a bad exercise, a bad movement, but there sure are a lot more better techniques and movements. And the journey really allows you to start to put on that critical thinking hat to decipher what is the, the better movement for that individual. And so, you know, I think sometimes... A lot of times we get involved in saying, well, this one's wrong, instead of saying, you know what, let's not even worry about what might be wrong or what might not be that, that good, and focus what what is the best. And really, applied functional science allows us to get to that point, because I think one thing that we've learned is that if you really can't explain the why behind the what in which you're doing, there might be a better direction in which you can go. It's like the technique that works, and you really haven't been able to put words to it. When you learn about applied functional science and you learn about these scientific principles that you really already studied in the past, but they become more real and applicable, it's easier to describe why this movement and why this technique is so successful. Now, on the flip side of that coin, if there's this technique that you kind of take it for granted or you read it in a men's health or a men's fitness magazine or you heard some speaker over the weekend talk about it and you try the technique on yourself or with your patients or your clients or the athletes in front of you and they kind of have that deer in the headlight look that this is just not working, 
my guess is it might not be that well grounded in the sciences. So the biggest thing that I've learned is don't assume that, you know, what you know is 100% correct, but know what you want to study to make sure that what you're doing with the person in front of you is close to 100% correct. Um, I think if somebody's listening to this podcast, they understand it is a journey. Uh, because we, we keep telling ourselves that simply because we don't want to get in the position where we think we know what we need to know. The human body is such a miracle that by the time we get uh, even partially cocky and think we kind of got it, we don't need to really become more educated uh, or learn more. That's when we that's when we really believe that we, we obviously thought it was a destination. And sometimes I think we all get caught in that. Uh, but it, it emphasizes the fact that um, once you get the degree, once you get the certification, once you get whatever, that's just that's just a little, you know, a curve in the road, and you got to keep moving, moving along. Uh, for example, uh, today uh, within Spooner Physical Therapy and all of your facilities, you had a kind of a, a webcast done by Dr. Dave Tiberio. Well, you guys understand that this is a journey. You're going to continue to learn, and I know you learn something that you can apply to your patients. And what's even more impressive about that is Dr. Dave Tiberio, who we would all agree in this room is the smartest guy in the world of function and the world of applied functional science. He's learning every day. I mean, he just didn't come up with those research articles to take a look at off the top of his head. So it's, uh, you know, the, the, the beauty of trying to understand the human body is humbly it's a journey until we die. And, uh, and because we really, if we understand the responsibility of taking care of people in pain, uh, we have a responsibility to learn every day and, and look upon this as a journey, I believe. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot a little bit and say, all right, you said you don't say no to something, but I bet there's one little nugget that you don't do anymore that you did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. <laughs> and, uh, you're both, and you're both chuckling, just, so you might have something. Just one, apparently. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, you know, there's a cereal box over there with a lot of nuggets in it, and uh, so I'm kind of trying to figure out what nugget we would we would pick out, because I think Doug said it best, uh, you know, when, when uh, we're, we're in a very privileged position where we see a lot of patients who have already been seen by a number of people. That's kind of what we do at Gray Institute. We get referrals literally from all over the world. And as they go through what they've been doing, I've never heard any patient describe what they're doing because I, the therapist was trying to hurt them. Uh, but we do kind of wonder why they did that. And we know the answer many times. They got caught into a protocol. They got caught into doing the same thing over and over again with... Uh, the same type of patient. Uh, they read uh, an article that was very poorly interpreted, and so they all of a sudden decided they would try to do that particular exercise that makes no sense to anybody. But again, it's not that anybody's really trying to create an environment where they're hurting somebody. We just believe there are a lot of, lot of nuggets that we were taught that when we looked at what we did, we just kind of turn our head and go, we don't know why we did it. And well, yeah, we did. We learned it in school, so we thought it was right. And so we, uh, we believe in order to not get caught in all those nuggets, so to speak, you got to challenge yourself every day. I think Doug said it best. Uh, I mean, if I'm listening to this podcast right now, I'm a little confused, like, okay, what, what the heck are you guys talking about? Um, it's real easy. Next time you do anything with yourself or anybody, ask, why did I do it? And it should relate back to the science of what movement you did. It should relate back to the assessment that you did on that person, and it should relate directly to exactly what they want to do and need to do. That should 
And it shouldn't come from a piece of paper. It shouldn't come from somebody else's head. It should come from your head and your heart and your hands in order to facilitate that. So uh, I, I'd almost be fearful to list one nugget because I'd leave, leave the other million nuggets out. Uh, but uh, and, and again, I, I think there are even nuggets from maybe that I did last year that I'm a little embarrassed I did simply because I'm learning more and I'm thinking, wow. And that's pretty good when you get old like me. You realize that, man, you know, there's still more nuggets to be learned and some nuggets to get rid of. And, and But it all boils down to why. Why, 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 why? Tough questions sometimes. Why am I doing this? Why did I choose that? Well, I think uh, I'll go ahead and throw one out there potentially just to, you know, spice some things up a little bit. And I'll preface it by saying that a lot of the nuggets that we may not do anymore, there's a lot of validity to maybe why they were done in the first place. But the strategy that we utilize is take something that has been used or something that is familiar and see how to tweak that movement for a specific purpose. So, for example, a plank. Uh, planks are hard exercises, I'll admit it, because I get pretty sweaty just trying to maintain a position. <laughs> but a lot of times I get sweaty trying to maintain a position because that's the only time in my life I'm trying to maintain a position. So it kind of gets back to, to Paul's great question on what's functional. Well, it's very context-dependent. But hopefully, it looks like something that you do throughout your life, which makes it functional. And so potentially a plank, that, that stabilization, we can take some strategy of positioning the body in that stabilized position. But then we would say, let's go ahead and just tweak the movement and make it into an actual movement. Maybe take the pelvis and move it in all three planes of motion, which brains to tooth are, are perverts when it comes to three planes of motion in a good way. And that we want to drive the pelvis in all three planes of motion to allow the body to now not stabilize, but react and load and explode in all three planes, which has a dramatic effect with that maybe on-ground planking position to upright functioning for whatever that said need, want, or goal could be. So I like when you guys talk about journey, especially educationally. I think that's a great description for, you know, we always should be learning. And like you said, if you ever stop learning, there's a significant issue. You need to find that fire again. How do you at the Great Institute adapt your teaching style to the continuous changing landscape of education, research, etc. that comes out there? Let me take another stab at that. Did is it harder as you get older to relate to younger people? <laughs> Tim, I appreciate the translation. Thank you for the subtitle of said question. I think I'll, I'll jump in and answer that first and then uh, let you kind of back clean up here, G2. But the great thing about our live physical educational processes is that it's not one-sided. Uh, yes, we have a direction that we want to take our um, attendees to, but we would like to definitely make it a two-way street and opening up to a lot of questions and answers. And many times those questions will stem from maybe what's hot, what's new, uh, what might be in. Um, other questions might stem from what's traditional, what has, you know, quote-unquote worked in the past and how what we're teaching either supports it or maybe combats it in one way, shape, or form. So I think uh, what Gray Institute is good at is attracting people uh, the interesting thing, like, you know, especially the Tracys and the Tims and the Bryans, uh, you guys are very like-minded and like-hearted and like-spirited, um, especially we see that through going through the GIVE program. But the people that Grace who attracts also attracts people that really not only are the best of the best, but they're also a part of those maybe forward-thinking philosophies that uh, might be in line with what Grey Institute teaches or it's something that maybe we haven't studied as much as we should and it's then brought to our attention so that we can continue to be uh, the scholars that we try to be. There's uh, 
there's different types of people that we have the privilege to teach. And uh, the, like what we're going to be doing this weekend is easy. P people are going to pay money. Uh, they've dedicated a couple of days of their life to be here. And they'll sit there and they'll, and they, you, you can just tell they're already successful. We never have anybody show up to any of our courses and go, you know, I'm just not very good at this. I don't get anybody better. Um, you know, just I, I'm just a lousy therapist. Everybody who shows up, they're great therapists. They're very successful. So they've uh, they felt the the joy of being able to give of themselves and, and what they get back. Um, we also have those that sometimes we are asked to go in and teach, and so some of these people really don't want to be there. Uh, they're told by somebody that, hey, this guy's going to be showing up, and you, you're stuck with him for two days, put a smile on your face, suck it up, gut it out, and you can just see it in their eyes initially. Uh, and you have to understand where they're coming from. Uh, there's always... There's always you know, fear involved. There's always, at least when I'm sitting in there, ego involved. You know, I'm always, my ego gets in the way. And there's ignorance involved. There's a lot of things that are involved, and you have to try to pick that up real quick. We're fortunate because we still get to work with students. So we still have a pulse on what the kids are learning in school, uh, which um, is uh, kind of interesting because you think over 40-some years, uh, a lot of what we would learn uh, would be enhanced, but that really hasn't happened. And I think that's that's a whole other story, but I think it's driven by our, our very poor examination. I'm talking the field of physical therapy. It's, it's very similar to what I took, you know, over 40 years ago. Uh, and so those, those kind of people uh, may not even know that they need to learn something uh, until you ask them a key question, like, why did you just do that? Or, you know, when that uh, person's back hurts, do you, you know, where do you think that's coming from? Is it, is it something that their foot's doing, something their hip's doing, something their shoulder's doing? You get this blank stare like, I'm not even sure what you're talking about. And so we know from doing this for so many years what blanks were left in school and certifications, what a lot of people don't teach, what makes it, makes it very easy for us to go into a room and say, this is what we want to share because we know we... we got a pretty strong feeling you don't quite understand that or you don't know that. Um, nothing worse going into a room and sitting there and listening to something that you know, uh, unless it just reinforces for you. I, I usually like to I usually like to show up to seminars and have it, have somebody teach me something to challenge me. So uh, the the young kids are coming out just as excited as we were, you know, just wanting to help. But uh, some of them have been forced to go to school a lot longer than we did. Uh, some of them are actually a little upset about the debt they're already in. Uh, a lot of them come out with the name doctor in front of their name, and theoretically, uh, they should be a doctor of movement science. And when we when you start asking them about the biomechanics of movement, they realize that was a, a small part of the schooling they missed, which we think is they missed they missed everything. So we're we're blessed in the fact that we are able to share, and there's a lot of people who uh, are willing to understand. Our approach, and we teach it by the mistakes that we've made and what we're still trying to learn. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's really easy to spot somebody who's passionate about learning and want to, to do their best. And it's kind of sometimes, sadly, it's easy to spot the person that's very uh, satisfied with where they're already at and they're getting a paycheck and it seems that they're just moving on. And so uh, you have to identify that real quick before you before you try to jump into somebody's space and try to change your heart a little bit. The Gray Institute will be satisfied when? <laughs> when Gary leaves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think we're, we're already satisfied, but um, I, 
I think there's a difference between being satisfied but also being content. Mm -hmm. And I think the content is the, the challenging part in a good way where we try to challenge ourselves. Um, I think we, we're selfish in the fact that we don't want to be content with where we're at because we feel like there's a lot to not only learn but a lot to continue to be taught. Uh, but I think we don't want to be content because of all the uh, paths that we get to cross with like-minded and sometimes not like-minded professionals and individuals. Um, that I think when people think of Grain Institute, once they kind of get into the system, they realize that it truly is a community. Um, it kind of has this, strangely enough, a family feel. And to, to, to kind of let that go and say that uh, you know we're content with just where it's at um, would be that we 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 made it across the finish line and you know you know G two kind of jokes that you know we'll be satisfied when we're gone. You know, we're already, I think, going to be, be satisfied while we're here, but we're not going to be content with where we're at because we view that there's a lot more to learn, there's a lot more to be taught, and there's a lot of uh, other people to not only influence, but selfishly enough, be influenced by. I will, uh, I'll be satisfied, content, happy when uh, every uh, physical therapy clinic and facility functions as a spooner clinic. And I'm saying that obviously because you're sitting here, but you know, but 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 I'm saying that because I truly am. Uh, from from where I sit, and again, I don't want to play the old man card again. But when you get to a certain age, you look back on your life and you go, you know what? I'm really proud of those people. And when I see, uh, you know, what you guys continue to do to learn and how you've allowed us to at least touch you a little bit, influence you a little bit, but. Your dedication towards education to be the best provider of care, uh, not only in your own region, but in the world, that's what you guys strive for. And I think if everybody had that same attitude, uh, put an emphasis on continuing education. We know, we know some clinics that, you know, you only get $12.38 a year for continuing education. And, oh, my goodness, you know, we don't want you to have to go. You know, it's, it's like, wow, that, you know, we, we know how much we don't know. And to not dedicate ourselves like you guys do at Spooner to uh, allow your professionals uh, to be educated and to be the best they can. And not just educated by us. I mean, it's, it needs to be well-rounded. Uh, it needs to allow uh, your professionals to be influenced by a lot of people and then make their own decision on how they want to approach it. But that's when, that's, that's when I will kind of have a, a grin on my face and say, okay, I think we're, I think we're getting there. Uh, and as we know, just from a lot of statistics, that's just not happening. Around, around the country. So we'll be, we'll be a lot happier, a lot more satisfied when people just say, you know what, it is a journey and let's, let's kick some butt and let's keep learning and let's do the best we can for our patients. Dougie, you mentioned community and uh, you're, the great community now is worldwide. Mm -hmm. What have you guys learned from abroad and what are the similarities and what are some of the the differences that you observe meeting these people from really around the world, because obviously in school we didn't get that, but now through the Institute we get exposed to that. I think, uh, not to sound too corny, but the similarity is that the hearts are very similar. That when you're in the movement industry as a therapist or a trainer or a strength coach or anybody that's dealing with a body in front of them, that they have this, this passion for that individual in front of them, and that's kind of undeniable, and that's, that's around the globe. Uh, I think the biggest difference, frankly, is the accents with a lot of people, the way they talk. Um, some people say the same things a lot cooler than I do, um, and I'm jealous of that. But, you know, you get some definitely uh, some differences from culture to culture, from country to country. Um, but that's 
that's the beautiful part. You can kind of learn about our differences and in those ways, and it's the the Gray Institute community that brings those people together. Uh, but I don't think there's any denying that the the common attribute across the board is that there's a passion to learn more, not for their own self-interest, but for the person in front of them, those patients and clients, and that's pretty special. Yeah, we have uh, uh, a lot of uh, amazing professionals from all around the world that have taught us a lot. Uh, and, you know, there's, like Doug said, the, the consistent thing is if we just you know, put us all in a room and started t- talking except for the accents, you, you wouldn't tell a difference. It is interesting, though, that you could probably take some of us and throw us in a room and, in, and not even allow anybody to talk and just start teaching. And in a relatively short period of time, guess pretty close to where, where we're located, just by kind of attitudes, by how, how spunky they are, how much they're sitting on the edge of the chair wanting to learn, as opposed to maybe kind of the head tilted, kind of a cocky like kind of thing. It's, it's kind of intriguing. It's over, over doing this for almost 40, 40 years now. I think you could put me in a room and I could pretty much come close to the, the city in, the, in the, that part of the world uh, that I'm in by more of an attitudinal thing. And, uh, but, but again, it's just, uh, it's the same. You got people all over the world that do want to learn and be the best. And you got people all over the world that are very content with what they already know. And they're happy to just go about their life and, and uh, kind of float from there. So, uh, uh, but we, we have learned a lot from uh, having a, uh, what we'd call a diversity of, uh, of, of, of people involved, not only what they know professionally, but just how they present, uh, you know, their, even, even their religious beliefs. You know, it's been eye-opening to see the dedication a lot of people used to have that is different than mine, but it's still something I can respect and you want to honor it. And so uh, it's been a, 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 any gift fellow would tell you, one of the greatest blessings of being a gift fellow is that you get to rub shoulders with people from uh, all around the world. Yeah, as, as a gift fellow, I, I definitely agree that, that the community and the relationships that you build through the gift community are, uh, it, it's, it's incredible, and, and gift is something that you can't even put into words, and gift is the reason that I'm here at Spooner, and, and probably a lot of us are part of Spooner to begin with, is the culture, and the culture of AFS and the culture of Spooner speak a lot to who we are as professionals and, and what, we, what we want to do. Tracy, anything on that? I agree. I mean, some of my best friends came from GIFT, and even though it's been seven years at this point, I could pick up the phone and call any one of them and bounce an idea off their head and just get a little energized and excited about learning something new from what other people are doing out there. I like you guys. Well, thank you. I'm sure everyone listening definitely took something good out of this. I do want to give you guys a chance, though, as we wrap up. Any last thoughts from either of you two you'd like to share with the listeners out there? Well, I want to thank you all for allowing us to kind of share the mic with you literally around this uh, room here. Um, But I kind of want to echo that, uh, you know, I think Spooner Physical Therapy, I don't think I know Spooner Physical Therapy is very rare and special and unique, and you can kind of tell that by, of course, all the success that, has come before you and all the success that you guys will experience later. Um, but it's very special that you guys have uh, colleagues that support each other, colleagues that uh, want to see each other grow. Um, but uh, whatever you've done, Tim, I think you could uh, package it in a recipe and sell it for millions because you've created a truly awesome community of professionals. And I know that your patients are the benefactors 
Um, but I just want to take that time to commend you all for all that you do and, and thank you again for allowing us to kind of share the mic here during this time. Yeah, I'd, uh, same thing. And, uh, you know, what you're doing, if, if somebody's listening to this, Paul, again, we're preaching to the choir. Because, uh, you know, when you, you don't just pick up a podcast and say, oh, this is going to be entertaining. I'm probably some really good jokes. And it's like, can I get a little nugget out of this thing? And uh, maybe I can actually approach a patient a little bit different today. And uh, so I think through all your podcasts, I think that's going to be a powerful thing because that's really what we're, what we're after. And uh, my recommendation would be uh, continue to seek, to, to seek knowledge, continue to uh, basically challenge yourself, continue to challenge everything that we do, uh, and understand that we have a huge, huge, huge blessing opportunity when that person stands in front of us and says, help, I, I need your help, I need to move better. I need to get rid of this pain. I need to get back to work. I need to help my family. Uh, I want to play this game that I love. And uh, they're just basically, you know, we just have to look them dead in the eye and say, we're going to do our, we're going to really work our tail off to do as best we can. And, and having these podcasts and having the opportunity to learn and uh, just you putting this together, I think is a, a powerful thing. So thank you for at least letting us be a, a little bit of part of it. We love it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you.